This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And we're here to start off another week of uh, fantastic radio here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Damon Cotton, your boy Q. Uh, got a lot to talk about. You know, obviously had a plan going into today, what we were going to talk about. Had a lot of different uh, conversations we were ready to have on today's show. And then also we started finding out a lot of different news. Started early this morning. And of course, there'll probably be a lot more news that we find out between the course of now and the end of the week as the Combine Week is official going on in Indianapolis right now. And uh, we all know that... It's gonna. We're going to hear from Josh McDaniels, Raiders head coach, on Wednesday. That should be around 10 o'clock in the morning. So, of course, we'll have that for you. If you don't get to hear it live, we'll hear that for, have that for you here on Raider Nation Radio 920. But uh, very excited about having this week to, to talk to you about whatever we got going on and everything that is going on and going to be out and about in multiple different locations this week. I'll tell you about that later on in the week. But uh, with uh, Clay Baker being on vacation, the morning tailgate is off this week. On Friday, I will be out and about in the streets doing the morning show, um, myself and Heidi Fang. So I'll give you details on that a little bit later on uh, throughout the course of the week. But yeah, we got a lot going on. Of course, Vinny Bonsignor, uh, he'll be in studio tonight. I do believe he'll be in studio tonight and then he'll be in Indianapolis starting tomorrow. Is that correct? That's the tentative plan so far. Well, is he going to be here today? He's going to be here for today <laughs> okay. at least. Okay, all right. Well, that's all that we need to worry about right now is that he's going to be here at least today, and then uh, we'll worry about when he gets to Indianapolis uh, starting tomorrow. But uh, that looks like we're going to have a pretty good uh, uh, plan and a whole bunch of people there in Indy covering the Combine like a glove. We'll have uh, daily reports, matter of fact, starting tomorrow from the Combine every single day at 2.30. We'll have an update live from the Combine. So excited about that. Whatever the big storyline is coming from Indianapolis, we'll be talking about it each and every day, Tuesday through Friday at 2.30. So you can kind of mark that in your books uh, right now. So uh, again, like I said, couldn't be more excited to be here. We have some good guests coming up on today's show. Matter of fact, starting at 2.30, Danielle McCartan from uh, The Fan in New York, WFAN 660. She does a great job there, but we're going to have her on because she covers the G-Men, she covers the Jets. Want to talk to her a little bit more in depth about Patrick Graham. We've done a little bit of that since he's taken over the defensive coordinator position for the Silver and Black and kind of looking at what he's done with different defensive players, what he needs to make his defense go, and really in particular, and this is one of the questions that I have for the show today, what he's going to need to be able to build off the defense from a year ago. Last season's defense under Gus Bradley was one of the better defenses we've seen from the Raiders in a long time. And I know that some people will say, well, that's not saying a whole lot because the defense hasn't been great. You're not wrong, but it was a lot better than it's been. So he's got to be able to take the defense that they had last season All the parts are not going to be the same. All the players are not going to fit into his scheme. He's going to have to take those players and put them in position to succeed and then move forward because you don't want to take a step back with that defense. It's the last thing you want to do is go backwards with the defense. So we'll talk to Danielle coming up at 2.30 about what he's going to need to put his plan in place and get that defense cooking. That'll be at 2.30. Coming up at 3 o'clock on the Daily, we like to have Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day, so we'll scatter shoot with that, and we have plenty of news and notes to get to, including Kyler Murray. I don't know what's going on with Kyler Murray, except for the fact that he's got his agent putting letters saying that he, uh, he, he needs a... 
he needs a contract, uh, you know, a contract extension, and and that his team to to be able to succeed and go win a championship. That they've got to all be on the same page, and just really, man, just really weird. I mean, we talked last week about scrubbing your social media. We talked about Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Now here's another twist. So I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a contract extension. Not saying that at all. But it's just weird about roundabout way that he's getting there. No, I don't think this this is the direct way where you were yeah, last week you were saying, oh, don't be no, all the social not. media stuff. He's basically saying the agent is saying, pay the man. Right. Well, go to the again, I don't need to see it though. That's the thing. I don't need to see a statement. But you know, gotta create the groundswell support. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, and I don't mean to put all your business in the street, but last okay. week you came to me and Doug and said that you needed a uh, you needed a raise, right? Yes. Did you put out a tweet saying I need a raise? Q and Doug, pay attention to this. Well, no, I ain't got the grounds will support. I don't have the <laughs> millions and millions of followers that Kyler Murray has. It doesn't if matter. If I had the background, like, yo, we but need to it, get When you thought that it would have made sense just to come to us directly? Well, I did. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And so that's how you get things cooking is come directly about it. Not put it out on social media, right? And like I said, I don't mean to put all your business in the street, but I just think it makes more sense. I respect that. <laughs> you coming to us and saying, hey, I'd like a raise. That makes more sense than you all of a sudden having some kind of paper put out there and this is what the agent said. And I know you don't have an agent, just like I don't have an agent. And we don't need agents because we can talk to ourselves and we're not talking about millions of dollars. But, I mean, could you imagine if, like, one of your homeboys, the homeboy that told me about Kayla, if he had hit me up and was like, hey, man, DeMond wants a, twi- uh, a, a raise. I'd be like, okay, well. DeMond could come to me and ask me for a raise, not... No, no, I had to, like, if I put out the tweets, like, you know, I just feel like some things need to change around the building. Some some guys that produce shows yeah. from 2 to 6 p.m. and gets here around so-and-so, so-and-so, and receives and text messages And we want Radio Nation Radio to succeed. <laughs> right. That, that just, that's just silly. For the good of the company. That's just silly. That's just silly. But, hey, that's what they do. That's what the kids do. Let's put it like that. That's what they're doing. And so I'm not saying it's not going to work. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve a raise. I just think it's a roundabout way that he's going doing it. But, hey, it is what it is. So we'll do some Cover 3 NFL news and notes. We'll scatter shoot with that. We'll also have a couple more sound bites from Daniel Jeremiah's pre-combine uh, scouting con- uh, conference call that he had on Friday. I uh, have plenty of those sound bites. Had like 30-something sound bites, and we're not going to obviously play them all. But we'll have a couple that we'll bring to you coming up at 3 o'clock. Then at 315, we'll bring it back locally. Coach Kevin Soares, Liberty High School basketball coach, they went to Reno and uh, competed in the 5A state championship game and defeated Bishop Gorman in overtime, 63-62, on Saturday night. And so uh, a state championship is going to Henderson, going to the city of Henderson. Look, it's usually posted up there, right there with the Gales at Bishop Gorman. And here they go. The Liberty has has knocked them off. They have played them four times this season, including the game on Saturday. Only won one. The only one that matters, the championship game. Man, it's good for them to get that win, too, because Gorman, the lock that they have on this city when it comes to basically being the best team in football. In everything? Yes. Right. Football and basketball. To see them get that win in basketball, it's nice to see. Right. And so you got to give a tip of the cap. (laughs) We have to play against these guys. Oh, come on, man. Don't start talking about you playing, man. We don't want to hear about you playing, man. We don't want to go down this rabbit hole you playing. We know you didn't play a whole lot of anything, man. You know what? I was going to out myself, but I'm not going to. So never mind. Yeah, yeah, please don't. Because I don't want to hear when you got in in garbage time. You were like, what, you know what? You know who could use you right now? And I and this is no disrespect to Mama Q, but you know who could use you right now? The L.A. Fakers. You should be a member of the L.A. Fakers right now because you might get in the game right now. They are awful. They stink. They are terrible. Wouldn't have to worry about me playing hard. They you know, lost I'm saying- by 28 to the Pelicans. They stink. Whose best player don't even want to play for them. Obvious, yeah, that's another situation. Their best player ain't even been on the court all year. 
Why do we keep trying to put guys in into position of being like the next dude, and, and then they just aren't? Because the people want them to be the. Oh, next I know, dude. I know. When it's like when but you we hype the hell out of Zion, right? We ain't even seen. I don't even know what Zion looks like these days. When the NBA posts his summer league clips on like the YouTube right. channel and it's getting millions of views, and it's like, man, his dunks are getting way more views than everybody else's dunks. Well, I'll tell That's you what right it now, says. we got to make him the next dude. Right. Well, I mean, hey, hell of a player in, in Duke in college. Hell of a player when he's on the court, but he just ain't on the court enough. He just ain't on the court enough for me. Now, I'm not saying he can't be because Joel Embiid very well might end up being the MVP this year, and he kind of started his career similar. You know, wasn't on the court, uh, was always banged up, didn't look like he was going to be worth the salt, and now he's out there killing with James Harden, which, hey, watch out. That's a squad right there. Philadelphia got a squad. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but that's a one-two punch for your for your backside, man. After that first game, he said, I've never been, I've never had this much space before. Oh, yeah. Clearly taking shots at Ben Simmons, but, yo, he likes it. Right, he likes it. He likes it. And they, everything is good right now. We'll see how long it lasts. You know, they got to hit some adversity. I mean, look, they beat the brakes off the Knicks, another team that you could probably compete with right now. But, no, seriously, to get you on the court, you need to go on, go on to L.A., man. Go on call, and, and holler at your boy LeBron. Be like, hey, man, I'll give you some minutes. Because right now they ain't doing nothing. They're terrible. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Every Saturday morning, the fellas in the barbershop are talking about the Lakers and how they're going to get fixed. Guess what? They're not. They're not going to get fixed. I don't even get involved in the conversation. I just sit back and laugh because I already know they ain't doing nothing. They got the AARP tour going on out there. They went and got the homeboys from around the block in the YMCA, and they ain't getting it done, man. Stop letting your best player decide to be your GM, too. It just ain't going to work. Sorry, that's my Laker rant for the day. Man, Q, no fan of LeBron, I see. Wow. No, no, no. I, I think he's a hell of a player. I, I don't. I just don't think he's a very good GM. I think he's a terrible GM. He got him a title, didn't he? Did he? He did. He said, yo, give me Anthony Davis at all costs. Oh, and that, don't get me started on that guy. That's like the gingerbread man. That dude's injured all the time. You breathe on that guy, he's injured. That guy, he can't stay healthy to save his damn life. But he sure do get that hair braided every couple days, boy. He go, he he be at the he be getting braided up more than I get my hair cut. I promise you. Every time you see him on the bench, he looking fresh. Problem is, you're always seeing him on the bench. All right, so we've went after uh, LeBron, <laughs> Zion, Anthony Davis. Anybody else on the list? That you, this guy ain't worth the salt to you. Hey, and all I did, and you know how this all started by giving love to Liberty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Liberty knocked out Bishop Gorman, and that's how we started up that can of worms right there. So, Coach Kevin Soares from Liberty High School, he'll join us at three fifteen to talk about winning that state championship. Thought that was awesome. A big sixty three sixty two overtime victory over Bishop Gorman up in Reno, by the way. And uh, Coach Soares is a is a UNR guy. I mean, he's he's from the University of Reno, uh, all time assist leader. I mean, he's got some skins on the wall too. If you don't know. Go on to Google him, man. He, he's, he's put some skins on the wall. So that'll be at 315, and then we'll close things out with our guest uh, lineup at Ed Grady at 330, uh, our normal guest on Mondays, even when other shows try to put him on. Uh, Ed Grady joins us every single Monday at 330 from ESPN Las Vegas, and the RJ will talk about free agency. We'll talk about expectations. You know, I, I know he doesn't know Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels because none of us do. We're still trying to figure it out. But we've been having good conversations about – what direction the team should go, what they need going into this season. So we'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about taking a look at the combine and what he'll be focusing on this week as everything is taking place in Indianapolis. So that's the guest lineup that we have for you. We'll start things off at 2.30, Danielle McCartan, 3.15, Coach Kevin Soares, and then 3.30, Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas. Now let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. 
The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Got a tweet from Austin. Damon, consider this your followers' endorsement. Q, give that boy a raise. What? And that's why and that's why Kyler Murray's going to the Twitter streets. Well, if that's the case, you better get more than Austin to get you a get you a endorsement. So far, only that's not that's not a glowing review for you. Yo, there was a tweet. You better hope that I don't I don't judge your raise off of off of off of Twitter. There was a tweet this past weekend that said Demon needs his own show. Yeah, I know. I and, mean, and what was the follow up tweet? What did the follow up tweet say from you? Yeah. Oh, it was like he got to keep grinding. You, you, you in my corner, something like that. You know. I love how you remember the positives, but you don't remember the criticism. I love how you don't remember that, and it wasn't even criticism. I said, "Yeah, you're right. All he's got to do is keep grinding. Everyone's in his corner." That's exactly what I just said. It's definitely not. I didn't, you, it, I didn't it know it isn't, verbatim. It definitely isn't. Definitely isn't. It's all good. I got your back. I do it for the guys with 24 followers because that's all he had. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do it for. Hey, there you go. Well, you do it for the guys with 24 followers. Your paycheck's going to look like you're doing it for the guy for 24 followers. Let's just put it like that. I ain't never been a guy that done this for money. So I'll tell you right now, if that's the motivation, they ain't going to cut it. You got to do it. Because... I'm saying I'm doing it for the little guy. <laughs> I'm doing it for the guy who ain't out here popping off. Okay. Who ain't like famous or none who ain't trying to be famous. Okay. I do it for the guy, like I said, with 24 followers. You know, it's us. That's okay. all we got. All right. All right. I, I see. I for see. the little guy. Well, I don't know why you keep bringing up the little guy. Don't go there, man. <laughs> Just, yo, yo. <laughs> I see the wheels turning. Yeah, you went, hey, you man, went, look, you I, you're setting joke. it up. You're setting you it up. You're looking for the joke. Oh, no, the joke's there. They <laughs> write themselves. You set it up. You keep talking about the little guy, and I'm just waiting for you to step up and say, I be the little guy. <laughs> That's all I'm waiting for. Like, you came out of life. Movie life. I be, I be the pappy. That's all I'm waiting for you. To, and I don't even know movies, and I know that one. It's a good one. It is. It really is. So, question that I have as we get back to a serious note. One... We're going to talk to Danielle coming up in about, I don't know, about 15 minutes. We're really going to focus in on the Raiders' defense. So what do you believe needs to be added to the Raiders' defense to be as good as last season's, but in all reality, everyone wants it to be better? How does that defense take the next step forward? What is this defense going to need? Who are they going to need to bring back? I mean, it, it could be you could take this in so many different elements. They need to draft somebody. They need to bring somebody back. They need to make sure so-and-so is happy. I mean, whatever the case may be, how does that defense take the next step from where it was last year to improve this year? Because we all saw what happens when they have a, a, a serviceable, I'll just say a serviceable defense. They stay in games. That's all that really matters. Got a tweet from all, all Raiders, no maybe, in all capitals. Q, Damon, spelled your name wrong, needs a show. But Q, y'all need a show that lasts longer together. It's like the odd couple on that piece. All right, there you go. And, and he was serious when he said it because he put it in all caps. I do know that that means that he's either screaming that at us or whatever. So all day, all, all Raiders, no maybe. Uh, thank you for that tweet. We definitely appreciate you. And DeMond's working on his own show. He is. He's working on it. Just hasn't got there yet. He's, he's about to take that next step. Got to figure out what that next step is, though. He's working on it, though. Just wait till I tweet out the eyeball emojis. That's all you need to see. <laughs> And that, that, that Twitter follower with 24 followers is going to be like, oh, snap. Look Something's out. Something's cooking. Something's Look cooking. Out. Big Look things out. on the way. Big things for the little guys. Let's go, Team Team LGs, little guys. Let's go. You know, you, you, you know, that's, that I'm going to ride merch. that little guys out the rest of the show. Yeah, that might be merch. I'll put that on a T-shirt. Hey, go on, do it. Go on, do it. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride that little guy comment out the rest of the show. 
going to bring it up as many times as possible. Shout out to the LGs, to the little guys. So I want to know about defense. How does that defense take the next step? And then, of course, it's combine week. So what is the most intriguing part of the combine? What do you pay attention to the most? Is it the 40? Is it the interviews that are coming out of it? Is it the conversation, the storylines that come out of it? Is it some of the, the other drills that go on? Is there a certain position group? For me personally, I pay attention to the DBs and the wide receivers because I think you learn the most about those guys. I don't think you learn a whole lot about the offensive linemen at the, at the combine. I just don't. I think you, you look on, on film and see if a guy could block it. If he could block, then you know that you got somebody. If he can push up a, a, a bunch of you know, bench presses, I, I think it's, eh, it is what it is. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think the 40 matters for the, for the offensive lineman unless you're just bragging, which is okay. That's fine. No problem. I do like the fact that it shows the, the competitiveness. I think that's one element of it I do like. When these guys go out and compete, and we've already heard about many guys that aren't going to be competing this week, like Derek Staley uh, from uh, LSU, the, uh, the very talented corner, but he's always injured. He's not going to go out there and compete. So that's, uh, that's one. But there's, I, I like that when they go out there and they just show that they want to be the best at it, regardless of their position, regardless of what the drill is. They, they just want to be the best. So I, I'm okay with that. I do, I do like that one. So I uh, want to know what your favorite part of the combine is or what, what you pay attention to the most. And then... We found out earlier today, and this is just kind of added, that the Raiders are going to be playing in Canton, Ohio, August 4th for the Hall of Fame. And I feel like it's kind of almost a year late, right? How come they didn't play in the Hall of Fame game last year? They had two guys going in. You know, they had they had two big-time guys going in with Tom Flores and Charles Woodson. And I know Cliff Branch, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Cliff Branch. He's going in, and I know Richard Seymour was a Raider. I'm not trying to take anything away from him either. But I just feel like the bigger story even was, and maybe because Cliff's not here, unfortunately, to be able to be part of it, but I just feel like the bigger Raider story was last year with Flores and Charles Woodson going in, but hey, whatever. They're going to be playing. They got four pre preseason games now instead of three. They're going to be playing in the Hall of Fame game. You're not going to see a whole lot of action. You're going to see a bunch of guys like me and DeMond that won't make the team be playing, and that's fine. I put me in there. Speak for yourself. You ain't making the team. You barely made the team at Perump, man. Come on. You don't know what I can add to the team. I, I know what you can't. I know what you can't add. Yo, somebody's got to be out there giving those high fives. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go, four. Way to go. Hey, 2A. Hey, 2A. Hey, Josh. Way to go. That's you. Needs more. Needs more. You good? We good. Yo, good stuff out there. Good stuff out there. You know, I might, you know, you don't watch Hard Knocks, but I might make the cut. No, you won't. I might get that. You're not making any cut. There's no cut you're making. None. Just like me. Me and you both are sitting at the same place on game day. <laughs> in front of the TV watching. <laughs> That's what we're doing. And you might be working the game. Might be. A few, a few other circumstances may play in the, in the element. You might not be working. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, hey, you know, it is what it is. So how excited are you about the, the Hall of Fame game? How excited are you that the Raiders will be featured? And Josh McDaniels, as a new head coach for the team, Gets an extra game. And I know it's not a game that you're going to see the starters in a whole lot. I get that. You're not going to see them in at all. But he still gets a little bit of burn as far as the head coach of the Silver and Black. I think it, I think it helps a little bit. I'm not saying that it's going to give a huge advantage, but I think it helps get him into the swing of things and the flow of things uh, so, you can, you know, so he can start to, start to get back that, that edge of being a head coach again. So uh, those are kind of the topics. And, of course, whatever you want to bring to the table as well, you could always speak on as well, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. Got a bunch of text messages to get to, but uh, first we'll hit that Raider Nation listener line. Who we got up, Damon? Juan the Smasher. Juan the Smasher. What's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, Q? What's going on? Chilling, man, chilling. 
Hey, man, I just want to chime in. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited about that uh, Hall of Fame game. I never seen the Raiders play in the Hall of Fame game, so I'm excited, bro. Okay. I've been a fan since, yeah, yes, sir. I've been a fan since uh, probably 96 when uh, we had Rocket Ismail. That's probably, <laughs> and I don't remember seeing no Hall of Fame game, bro. Right, right. And as far as that defense, we need a young stud, bro. We need, we, need, we need a dog out there. We need an alpha. We don't have no linebackers, bro. Hey, no, no disrespect to Perriman. He's cool. But we need a young stud, bro. Let's get Zion Johnson from Boston College. I know we're not going to get, you know, a good linebacker, but shoot. Let's try. Let's, let's, let's get a young stud. If we can't get a corner, get get a dog in there. Get Batman because there's a bunch of Robins, bro. That's it for Crosby. Other than that, we got nothing but Robins. No uh, Batman. I like – hey, that's a great great call, man. Way to start us off. I appreciate you. And, yeah, linebacker has been a position for a while, man. It really has. And I don't think that they're going to address the linebacker position early in the draft. I really don't. But you're right. Linebacker has been a real deal issue. And until they made the trade, not the free agent drafting. I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, they signed Denzel Perriman as a free agent. No, they didn't. They traded for him because of injuries. They didn't even expect him to be on the squad. But they had multiple guys get banged up in the preseason. Not before training camp. Denzel Perryman, I mean, think about what he did. He came to the team in preseason and filled a void immediately and went on to have a Pro Bowl year. You got to give that dude a lot of credit. Exactly, because you say that, and then what was it? The first Raider linebacker to make the Pro Bowl yes. in, what, 30 years? Right, right, exactly. Remember when all the injuries happened in that Rams preseason game? That was what, preseason game number two? Yep. They were already two preseason games into the books before they got Denzel Perryman, and all he did is go out and ball out. So I feel like people don't give him enough credit. I say, like, oh, he's, right. he's not, like, all pro level but he's still a pro bowler. He still came in, like you said, what, two weeks before the season. Right. Even got the vaccine to like to for the betterment right. of the team. Right. Because exactly. he was like, yo, man, this basically it helped him assimilate more. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. That's a good uh that's a good element that I didn't even think about that. You're right. He he did uh because he was not getting the vaccination. And then all of a sudden he said, Hey, I want to be around my teammates. I want to be able to uh, you know, go by the same rules. And of course, we all know how the season went. It all got changed anyway. But, you know, he did it for the team. And it worked out in his favor. So you got to give him a lot of credit for being able to do that. But I do think that they need to address the linebacking position. Corey Littleton just didn't work out. You know, Javon White, he's in now where? The Jets? Yep, yep. He's in New York. He's with the Jets. And that was going to be a project anyway. Morrow, he had a chance to shine and then he got injured. I mean, you know, it's just, hey, sometimes it's a, you, you got to be lucky better than good. And for the Raiders linebacking core, they're not really that, that lucky. You know, a lot of times they they just it's, it's some some reason it just doesn't work out. Kukowski, eh? You know, he was thought he was going to be pretty good when they picked him up from the Bears. His first year was pretty good. Last year he was really kind of a back piece. I, I think that they need a real deal linebacker, and if they can get one in the draft and hit on him, that would be great. That would be fantastic. I think everyone talks about, you know, Devin White. I know I talk about him all the time. Tampa Bay getting him at number five when the Raiders picked Cleef Earl at number four. I think that would have been a good dude. And look, he has his own issues. But I think he's a 2022 sideline to sideline linebacker. And he's got all kind of speed. So he makes mistakes. Don't get me wrong. But I think that I would take some of those mistakes for the the big plays that he comes up with. Because he does come up with some big time plays. Thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Uh, Who's up next tomorrow? Oh, that's all we got for so far. Okay, cool. I'll but get- we did have a caller call in. He just wanted to tell us a quick story. Okay. Didn't want to make it to air, but it's Jared, and he recently moved to Vegas. Nice. And he told a quick story. He was like, yeah, I've been at my job for about like three weeks now. Second week, I went and told my boss I need a raise. So he wanted to add that about the raise story.
Okay. No, he just wanted to add. Like, he yeah. went and told him. He yeah, didn't he put went, it out on social he media. Went in, he went into the office. All right. So there you go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He went in there and, and, and made some communication. You know, like, hey, this is what I need. This is why I need it. This is how, how we're going to go about it. I respect that. Thank you for that call, Jared, and welcome to the 702. I uh, got a text here from uh, Sir Whiskey Ray. Q&D, I'm paying attention to these youngsters' interviews. I want to know their mindset and how they go about daily football activities. I'll say it again. I want high IQ football players that put in the time and effort, blue chip players. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray, and that's the thing, man. And I know what Mike Mayock had said, and I know what John Gruden had said, that they want to find guys that love ball. And that's really – that's. I think that that's probably the hardest part of the evaluation process. How do you really know if these dudes love ball? Because that's what I would say, too. Hey, I want guys that, that love ball. Just like I say, I, I, I want guys that love radio. I want guys who, who, who do radio not for money, but do it because they want to be, be next level. They want to take it to the next level. But it's hard to figure out who those guys are. Because sometimes you could just look at them and say, oh, yeah, that's a guy who won't do anything unless you get him, put a dollar behind it. And then there's others that you're like, well, maybe. Or maybe he just thinks that's what I want to hear. So I think that that's the hardest evaluation part of the process when you're at the combine and even when they're getting to know these players, do they love football or do they love what football does for them? Like Trent Brown to me, he loves what football does for him. He doesn't look like a guy to me and I don't know him. So maybe he does. I don't want his cousin listening and be like, Oh my God, he's been, you know, whatever. He looks like a guy that loves what football can do for him as opposed to loving the game of football. That's just me. There's certain guys that you can kind of identify as. Yeah. You know, the guy that they always used to say at the school was big for nothing. You know, <laughs> that dude's just big for nothing. And he just, well, I got to go play. Why you got to go play? Because my dad told me I had to. And you big. And you big. So go on out there and do something. They'll go out there and they'll play. And they're, be- and they're still better than us, you know. Because you know what always happens when you see, like, that big, like, 6'6", 300-pound guy. Like, hey, man, where'd you? Like, you ask him, did he play or something? He's like, nah, not me. And then you look at him like, oh, that size. Well, what I would have did with all that size, like if you were right, playing. Right, 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 right. Like, you always see that guy, like maybe yeah. a 6'8 guy. No, I don't even like basketball like that. Right, exactly, exactly. Man, I tell you, I say it all the time. I always have identified guys. I was like, man, if I was that dude's height, I'd have tore down every rim in see? town. I'd have torn every rim down in town. I'd just walk by a park and be like, oh, that's coming with me. You can just meet that guy and you feel a little, he let you down. Yeah, exactly. By not using those gifts. Exactly. What is wrong with you? 6'8 for nothing. Glenn from San Jose, then we'll take a break. What up, Q? What up, Damon? For me, the linebacking crew is still an issue. Outside of Perriman, we're real thin on reliability at that position. Again, going back to the conversation we just had, and I think that that's one that, that, that is valid. I think it's very valid, man. I think that the Raiders do need to address that linebacking position. They need to make sure that they get it done and they get it done right. Simple as that, because that, that has been a liability position for a very long time. Outside of... Denzel Perryman this year really balling out. Uh, you know, K.J. Wright did did well at times. You know, he just didn't play a lot in my opinion. But outside of Denzel Perryman, I mean, man, they have not really had a dude since Kirk Morrison, who, by the way, will be on Vinny Bonsignor's show uh, later on this evening about, what, 4.30? Is that when he's coming on? Is it 4.30? Yep, yep. All right, Kirk Morrison. See, that's a segue right there. That's a tease. Uh, Kirk Morrison will join the show coming up at 4.30 with Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle. So uh, keep those texts coming. We do appreciate them. 69187, keyword R&R. That's the Salmon Ash text line. But coming up next, Danielle McCartan from The Fan in New York, WFAN 660. She'll join us to talk about that Raiders defense and what we should all expect from a Patrick Graham-led defense. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. 
That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Had a lot of conversation in the first segment talking about the Raiders' defense, what they needed to do to improve off what they did last season. Gus Bradley had them headed in the right direction, in my opinion. Was everything perfect? No, but... Things were okay. It was a lot better than we've seen in the past year. So talked a lot about what the Raiders needed to go ahead and take that next step. Uh, many of you talked about the linebacking position, and uh, that was one of the the major the major needs for the Raiders moving forward. So right now to talk about the Raiders' defense and potentially that linebacker position is Danielle McCartan from uh, the Fan in New York, WFAN six sixty six sixty. Excuse me. And Danielle, thanks for your time this afternoon. We appreciate you and how. How, uh, how important is that linebacking position when it comes to uh, the defense that Patrick Graham is going to be running? Hey, well, first, thanks for having me. This is, this is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll get right into it. I mean, Patrick Graham, uh, what his defense looks like, um, the linebacker position is important. Uh, he likes more of, like, the, the DB-style guys, like, like the Jabril Peppers of the world, the Logan Ryans of the world. Um, and it was really hard for him, actually, this this season, especially because Blake Martinez, who is like the stud linebacker that the Giants went out and got, he hasn't seen much of the field over the past two seasons. So, you know, it's really hard to sort of assess the importance of a linebacker in this defense because the Giants have been without their stud guy for a majority of of Patrick Graham's tenure in New York. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't see what the guy could do, you know, when he uh, when he has his studs out there if he's not available. And uh, that's another thing that we were talking about is availability. That's obviously major in the NFL in general. But uh, as far as uh, those linebackers that you're talking about and kind of the DBs type, is that the would you think that maybe a guy that is a safety or was a safety in college that kind of converts into that linebacker would would fit that role pretty well? Yeah, um, you look at the guys like who the Giants were working with. I mean, Logan Ryan was brought in, Jabril Peppers was brought in. I mean, those are very versatile, like athletic kind of guys that have really good hands. So that's kind of like the prototypical player that I guess Patrick Graham likes or would right. like to outfit his defense with. Um, I think. I mean, you asked the other, you know, if if any. Giants would be willing to kind of follow him there, or right. the Giants would deal anybody there. And the name that came to mind, who keeps coming to mind, which I can't believe I'm saying this, but I mean the Giants are in salary cap kind of kind of hell here, so they need to shed some salary. And I think Logan Ryan would be a really good fit. He's an mm. excellent leader. Uh, he 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 takes up six percent of the Giants cap scenario in terms of uh, uh, you know dead cap hits and all that. So if the Giants were looking to sort of move somebody. I think Logan Ryan, if, if Logan Ryan was a Raider, I mean, get excited about it. I mean, the guy's <laughs> stud. Seriously. I, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought him up. I hadn't even thought about Logan Ryan. There was a couple other guys that were on my radar, but Logan Ryan was not one of them. But that it makes all the sense in the world. That would be a heck of a pickup right there if the, the Raiders were to find a way to get him out of New York and head him over to, uh, to the West Coast, to Las Vegas. And one guy that I did think about was Bradbury for every reason that you mentioned because of the salary cap uh, situation. Do you think that the Giants would be open to, to trading him if uh, – if need be yes i think um just because i mean again the giants are 12 million dollars over the cap and they've got a brand new regime up and down from the top down everybody's brand new in terms of coaching and gm and all that so 
I mean, what better way to do it than to trade the guy eating 11% of your payroll, which right. is James Bradbury. Um, but I, I kind of did a quick look at, you know, who's on the Raiders roster and, and would, would Bradbury be an upgrade? So I looked at uh, Casey Hayward, right? He's going to mm-hmm. be, a, he's an impending free agent. Right. Um, if it were me, I, I'm going back after Casey Hayward. I'm going to make him a Raider because you know what? He's ranked, I looked at Pro Football Focus, he's ranked 13 points higher than Bradbury. He's going to be multi-million dollars cheaper than Bradbury. And Bradbury's a good player. He is. But I think if the Raiders uh, are looking for a good player at a, even a cheaper price, I mean, who wouldn't be? I, I think you kind of have to lure Casey Hayward back. Nice. All right. Well, see, I, it's funny. And then this is why we're having you on to kind of break this down, because in my opinion, I thought Casey Hayward's pretty much out the door. I figured he's going to probably fo- follow Gus Bradley somewhere. But uh, and I thought that Bradbury was a guy that that, uh, you know, you look at Patrick Graham and he says, OK, I'm very familiar with him. So why mm-hmm. not bring him in? But, hey, you know, I still I'm still stuck on the first comment. You said Logan Ryan. I like that idea. Uh, <laughs> that was that was a winner right there. So uh, that, that's a good nugget dropped by you again. We're talking to Danielle McCartan here on uh, Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio 920. So as far as what has to happen, what does Patrick Graham really need? We talked about the linebacker position, but what else does he need to make this defense go? You know, um, I, first I'll say a lot of Giants fans were sort of kind of fans. I'm talking we're we're sort of kind of happy that he was out the door because I mean he's got this this defense that is just it's just maddening. It's like this bend don't break mentality, and it was just it perimeter soft style soft coverage, and it's like maddening to watch the other team march down the field so what does he need uh i I guess he's going to need some some effective pass rushers and i'm not talking blitzers i'm talking guys on the line which luckily for the raiders they do have right um you know in order to just you know the giants didn't have a great uh, defensive line uh and that's kind of probably going to be their top target in the draft uh with with one of their two top 10 picks so I guess that would be my best answer is that, that they're going to need some guy that can rush the quarterback just from his, his standpoint on the line. Right. Not, I don't want to put any other guys, you know, drag them, you know, put them in the box. you got to spread it out but get the rush, the initial rush, right up the middle. And that's something that he didn't really have the luxury of having. Uh, with the Giants. Right. Well, that's one thing that the Raiders were able to do last year under Gus Bradley. They were able to get home with their front four. And, you know, I know yep. there's always a lot of conversation when it comes to Patrick Graham. It's, oh, he's a 3-4 guy. And he told Max Crosby, don't worry about that. We'll put you in the right yep. position to succeed. So what is it about that sentence right there? We'll put you in the right position to succeed. Do you see him putting the players in position, even when he doesn't have necessarily all the right players that he needs? Well, con- concerning to me would be the fact that he had to come out and actually say that um, <laughs> to actually make the phone call to Max Crosby um, because there is that, that sentiment out there that, that maybe not, mm. um, you know, so, so I, I would kind of read into the fact that he had to come out and say it. And the fact that he had to call him to begin with to say it, uh, I, that would cause me a little pause, um, you know, and Max Crosby is an old world talent out there in Vegas. So to have to assure somebody or reassure somebody like that, that they're going to be a main part of the game plan, I don't know how I would kind of take that. Well, I, I like I, I like the fact that we're looking at both sides of this because I was like all in. I was like, yeah, there you go. He reached out to his leader. It's all good. But uh, you yeah. bring up some good points. You, you really do. And so, again, that's why we uh, we have you on to kind of look at both sides of the coin. And so you mentioned marching up and down the field. You know, 20 to yeah. 20 uh, teams were able to, to handle their business. And I, I remember when the Raiders played the Giants this past year, I remember how they were able to get to the red zone. Their problem was cashing in, in the end zone. How does Graham's yeah. defense kind of bow up their necks when, when it comes time for the red zone? 
Yeah, not great. Um, and, and also, too, I think of the Giants' offense. Like, the defense is a strength of the Giants, right? It, it always has been. That's the Giant way. And I think of the Giants' offense, and I compared it in my mind against the Raiders' offense, and the Raiders' offense is like high-flying, you know, high volatile, like the whole thing, right? So I would also be just a little concerned because the Giants' defense can't get off, could not get off the field. I mean, I looked last season – they ranked 27th in a potent possession percentage per game. So, like, 27th in the league. And then the year before that, they were ranked 26th. So that means that, that the offense is, is, is on the bench. So Derek Carr and company will be on the bench for more than 50% of the game, mm. which is not something you want to see. So, again, how much of that falls onto the offensive co- uh, defensive coordinator, how much of it falls onto the, the actual players on the field not being able to get the job done, I don't know. I'm not there. I don't have a helmet on. Uh, but that's something that would, again, cause me pause. And again, the other thing is, too, you mentioned the, 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 uh, the Raider game. Oh, my God. And you look at, and I was doing this study because I was like, this, this, this madness has to stop with him this season. I, I started doing like my little, a little chart. I was charting the, the opponent, uh, the, the other quarterbacks. And, I mean, they were having r- quarterback ratings of 100 or more, up to 129. I mean, perfect is 158. Right. <laughs> so Matthew Stafford had a, had a 128.7 quarterback rating against the Giants. I mean, this is like week one, two, three, four, five, six. Still, through week six, Patrick Graham couldn't get a handle on, on any of this. I mean, so that's concerning to me. And the Giants started at their slow starter last season. They were 3-9 and nine to start. I know there's other factors, but a major percentage. I mean, completion percentage for Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> was a 78%. Heineke, Taylor Heineke, 74%. Matt Ryan, 75%. This is all concerning because you know why? That means Derek Carr and Waller and all these guys are going to be sitting on the bench and watching the defense on the field for like like 43 or 44% of the game. You know, it was a nice day in uh, Las Vegas. The sun was out. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm seeing the rain clouds rolling in. I'm yeah, seeing, well. oh, man. Well, that's not that's not sounding good. I'm hoping that, and, and look, this is something that you talked about as well. I'm hoping that the difference will be the pass rush is there for the Raiders, where the pass yeah. rush just wasn't there for the Giants. That's got to be my hope, right? That's got that has to be. You have to lean on that because, um, and, and listen, I know John Mara came out and he said he's well respected. Players have a lot of respect for him. You know, he has a lot of respect for him, which is all great. But you know, show me it on the field. So, right. I know he was handcuffed by a lot of different factors with injuries and this and that this past season. Jabril Peppers went down early. Logan Ryan was down for a while, especially Blake Martinez. So, yeah, if I'm a Raider fan, I'm like, listen, I'm looking at that defensive line. I'm like, this is the key to success for this defense. If they get after the quarterback, which they can, and they show that they can, uh, they're going to be in a good position, I think. All right, well, that's that's what I'm going to hang my hat on right there is that last statement you said right there <laughs> in the pass rush. Let me ask you this. I, I wanted to ask you about the Giants and, and the direction that they're going right now with Dayball as the yeah. head coach now. Uh, how are the Giant fans feeling about about the new regime there in New York, and, and what are you seeing from the outside looking in? Just what do you think of it? Yeah, you know, so I think the Giants, and, and I put out, you know, I, I study all these guys, and I put out my recommendations as if I'm part of, like, the, the hiring committee. Right, but, right. <laughs> I, I looked at all of it, and, and literally the Giants picked every guy that I wanted, uh, so from the GM on down. So you know what? Wink Martindale, Brian Dable, uh, Joe Shane, they got it right. Every like, hey, That's like coming up three sevens on a slot machine, right? Seven, seven, seven. <laughs> right. The Giants got it right. They got the guys, the right guys in the building. 
And uh, I'm excited to see. I mean, this year, Giants fans, are they are excited, but they're also, they understand now, Giants fans, that this season is going to be a rebuild. I mean, if they win, I think I looked at it the other day, if they win, I think maybe I gave them like seven or eight wins, just because they have one of the softest scheduled in the league, uh, according to Tankathon, maybe seven or eight wins, I think would be a great, great um, overachieving for the Giants. So I'll put them at seven wins, but Giants fans expect that now. I think next season they, they're going to make a jump, I think, this, this Giants, especially um, when they figure out the quarterback situation with Brian Dable. Hopefully Giants fans are hoping that he can work some uh, Josh Allen magic on, on Daniel Jones. Well, you, you know, included. <laughs> yeah, no, I wanted to ask you that. Do you think that's possible? Do, can, can, he, can he work some magic with Daniel Jones? Is he fixable or is, or is he who he is? Listen, I'm in the minority here in New York. I think that Daniel Jones is absolutely fixable. I mean, he's shown – I mean, the biggest qualm about him was that, that he, he gets hit and he fumbled. A lot like Eli Manning got hit and fumbled. Strip right. sacks. So uh, he greatly and drastically improved upon that from the, from the season before last season until this past season. So um, I think there's a lot to work with. I mean, you look at, you know, you're coming out, we're, we're, we're coming up on the draft. Okay, what are some qualities you want to look for in, in an up-and-coming quarterback? Okay, uh, he can sling the ball deep. Okay, he, could, um, he can run when he needs to and effectively. Okay, Daniel Jones could do both of those things. And guess what I did on my show? I love doing this. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. I, I looked up the quarterback rating chart for two quarterbacks uh, last season, one of them being Daniel Jones. The other one, I'll tell you, was Josh Allen. And, but I cut the names off of them. Right. Right, NFL Next Gen Stats. And I tweeted them out during my show, and I put a poll up, and I said, Who, which quarterback, based on these quarterback rating charts from Next Gen Stats, are you picking Giants fans with no names? Right. And study the charts, and okay, I'm telling you, over the whole commercial break, I was looking at it, looking at it, everybody was picking Daniel Jones without knowing it. Right, right. So I come back on the radio, I say, okay, here's the answer, and all of a sudden it just switched. Just the <laughs> name factor of it, it, the poll swung the other way. So I'm telling you, there's something to work with there, uh, and I'm, I know I'm in the minority here, but I think he's a prototypical build um, with a proto, you know, what you're looking for. He's a quarterback of a future, and and, and I wouldn't say it. I don't like being wrong. Right. So I think that having Brian Dable in that building with a guy who has a similar build, similar skill set to Josh Allen, um, it's it's it, it's going to work. I think it's going to work. All right. Well, hey, well, well done on that. I like that throwing those stats out there and not putting a name on it. Well done. We should do that around here with Derek Carr and any other you. quarterback because you know. You know how lightning that, that name is, Derek Carr. It's the same thing, yep. uh, but he's obviously got more skins on the wall than Daniel Jones does. But, man, he's, he's lightning as well. Before we let you go, my man DeMond had a question for you. Yeah, late yeah. last year you talked to Derek Jeter, and he said that baseball needs to ban the shift and get rid of it. And we see today that he resigns from the Marlins CEO. Is there any correlation there? Did Derek oh, Jeter tell no you too much and baseball had to get him out of the game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so October 6th, and a paraphrase now, but basically saying Derek Jeter told me on October 6th, in New York City, that he offered it. I didn't ask. He offered the information. He said basically that the MLB, Major League Baseball, needs to ban the shift. And then today, that was yesterday. I talked just yesterday about that. Okay. And then I get the news today that he's he's out as the CEO of the Marlins. I'm like, there's no way I did this, right? Like, there's no way Derek Peter hates me, right? Like, did I? I mean, I I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's a, it's a weird coincidence. I hope I wasn't part of the impetus that Derek Jeter's firing in Miami, but if if I am, I, I apologize. Derek Jeter, I am very sorry. Well, let me ask you this. Do, do, does baseball need to get rid of the shift? What do you think? 
Oh, well, hey, we're going to need some more time for this. But you know what? (laughs) The short story is this. I am a baseball purist. You know, like I look at these ridiculous shifts and I'm like, just bunt the ball the other way. Right. Just, just, just. Right. And then I saw an article from The Athletic. It was really good. Jason Stark wrote it. Okay. um, And I I really read it. It was rich with facts and all this stuff and, and testimonies from, you know, Freddie Freeman. And he's like, if it was that easy, I would do it. And, you know, Joey Gallo reignited it all around here, who was a Bishop Gorman graduate, by yep, the way. Yep. And he just said the other day they should ban the shift. And I started really looking into it. And you know what? The short story of this is, initially I was like, hell no, learn to hit it the other way. And then I, based on Derek Jeter, when Derek Jeter tells you something, you really have to start thinking about it. <laughs> and I started thinking about it in October. And I was like, you know what? I find myself on the other side here. I really do. Wow. It's just... 4,802 hits were taken away by a defensive shift last season. Wow. You, thought, you want baseball to be more exciting. How about put the ball in play? Right. Wow. And, and it starts with, I don't want to say ban the shift, but I want to say um, amend it, where you, like like we played growing up, where a hit up the middle was a hit up the middle. <laughs> right. Not into the, a third baseman's glove behind, standing behind second base. Right, so right. Or your third baseman, <laughs> shortstop on the left side of the bag. You put the first baseman, the second baseman on the right side of the bag, and do whatever you want with the outfielders. That's what I'm proposing. Yes, yeah, hey, I'm with you 100. percent I like that. That's that's great. And I'm a big baseball fan. I hate what's going on with Major League Baseball right now. Hopefully, yeah. we'll get it back. Hopefully, the owners and players can get their stuff together and work this it's out. But we saw this coming last summer. Good. No, no, it's not looking good from what I've been reading. You know, uh, just you know, while I was waiting for the call here, but it's not looking great. No, no. It's not, and I hate that, but uh, hopefully it'll come back sooner rather than later. And uh, when it does, we're going to have to get you on for that, too, because I think we could have some real good baseball conversations as well. So, uh, Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'll be back out there in April, so uh, maybe I'll stop by the swing by the studio and we can do a full show. Oh, you coming by? Uh, you coming for the draft? Uh, no, I wish. I You know, I can't take off of school. I'm a teacher by day, and if the draft was a week earlier, I'd be down for it. But my spring break is the week before the draft, so, oh, which man. sucks. Okay. I know, I know. Well, I know. when you get here in town, definitely come by, hang out. We'll, we'll do a show together, whatever. Uh, we'll work it out. But I would love to uh, pick your brain about all things sports, uh, NFL, baseball, everything. But So uh, when you come here, hit me up, and, and, and you'll be in studio with me. Yeah, you got it, Q. Thanks. All right, thank you. There she goes, Danielle McCartan right there, WFAN 660. Fantastic. Great job, great breakdown of Patrick Graham's defense, great breakdown of the shift. Uh, every once in a while, DeMond, you come with one of those questions out of the left field, and I start to laugh at it, but it ended up being a good one. So there you go. You're yeah, all right. man. You're all right for a question or two. Exactly. That's all I needed. I, I thought that was going to be a good one. No, it was. We it did was. go long on it, but I think it was worth it. Uh, hey, man, we did go a little bit longer than I expected to go, but uh, a lot of good stuff right there from Danielle, so I definitely appreciate it. If you're looking at uh, looking for her on Twitter, at Coach McCartan, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. 2.49 is the time. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You know what? Let's ask for caller number nine. How about we get caller number nine before we actually take this quick break? Caller number nine, you want to go to NASCAR. It's coming up this Sunday. We got some tickets for you. Hit us up, 702-365-9200. Caller number nine is going to get a pair of tickets. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Yo, what's up? What's up, Raider Nation? It's your homie Too Short, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920, baby. Just got a couple minutes left in hour number one. Many thanks to Danielle McCartan for joining us from the fan in New York. Fantastic breakdown of Patrick Graham's defense, and I guess it wasn't fantastic depending on how you're listening to it. Didn't sound like glowing reviews. When she said that, like, oh, it, it's not a good sign that he had to call him right. to make sure everything's going to be okay, I was like, man, I ain't thinking about it like but that. See, I was thinking about it like you. Exactly. See, that's why 
that's why we have multiple people on talking about different subjects because everyone's got their own angle and own own opinion of things. Now she covered the G-Man. Now look, the Giants are not a well-oiled machine. They're a bad team. Let's not make any mistake about it. Their offense stunk. So their defense was on the field a lot. But I think there's some things that was very valid in what she had to say about the struggles of the defense. So I, that's why I like to find out all different angles and talk to multiple different people because one person's word is not gospel. You know, that that's one thing. What The things she brought up, the negatives that she brought up about Patrick Graham's defense were the negatives, you know. Now there might be someone who says, yeah, well, you know, they were on the field that much because the offense was such a struggle, was on the struggle bus. You know, and, and this is the reason why. And, you know, she mentioned Blake Martinez being out. That's a major loss. You know, so maybe the personnel wasn't there. I, I do feel pretty good about the fact that she said if, if the Raiders could get home without blitzing, that defense is going to have an opportunity to be successful. And we all saw last season that they were. That's something that we saw. So we know. We know that they can get home without the, without the blitz. So that's positive. But, you know, it's a different team. It's a different cast and characters. So, you know, I still feel positive about the about the hire. Just there's some negatives to be concerned about. So that's something that we uh, will definitely pay attention to. And obviously, uh, now the Raiders have four preseason games. So maybe we'll start to get a little bit of a glimpse. Not really. You won't see a whole lot in preseason period. But once they start getting out there on, on you know, on the uh, practice field and during training camp and start to see what they could do, we'll have a better idea. I, I think so. I think we were able to see last last year during training camp that this defense looked like it was going to be pretty decent. And in my opinion, again, it was. Uh, Rob in Oakland hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line. said, Q, the defense is poor at producing game-changing plays because it's bad at creating turnovers. I think they need players with better ball awareness and better hands and some players that could punch and knock the ball free from opponents. And I think Rob in Oakland hit it square on the head. I think that's one of the biggest issues with this Raiders defense right now. They don't have playmakers. Max Crosby can get to the quarterback. Unique Ngakwe can get to the quarterback. But who's the guy who's punching the ball out? Who's the guy who's intercepting the ball? Who's the guy that's causing somebody to fumble? I mean, who is that Who is that guy? That's what the Raiders are lacking. That is that Rob, you are spot on. That is one of my biggest hangups as well. Who is going to make the play? Like the Washington football team game, and I'm not trying to pile in on a rookie. Trayvon Merrick, make a play. You make the play at the end of the game, they win that game. It's the interception, that was a pick six. All he has to do is bring it in. How many times do we see throughout the course of the year a ball clank off of a DB's hands? And I say clank because that's what it was. It's like DeMond trying to play basketball. The ball just bounced right off his hands. It's <laughs> just kidding. That was going to, well, I'm glad you said, I'm glad we got that text in because that was my answer to the question as well. Right. Some, they just got to create turnovers next year. I don't care if it's fumble. I don't care if it's interceptions. They just got to create those right. turnovers. Yep. They need, they, need a, they need a dude. They need a ball hawking guy. That's what, again, and, and, you know, people are going to get tired of hearing this name by April 28th, but that's why I think they should trade up for Sauce Gardner because he's a dude. He's a dude who can put, make plays. He's a dude who can get his hands on the ball. He's a dude that can shut down the side of a field. That's what you're going to want. You're going to want someone who can have that kind of playmaking ability. But you also are looking for linebackers that can punch the ball out or someone who can just make a play like Corey Littleton. When I know when they, they got him, they all thought that everyone thought, including myself, he was going to make some plays. He was going to run with Travis Kelsey and intercept the ball a couple times. He was going to be, as DeMond just laughed, DeMond just broke into a, a real deal laugh that I would let him talk about, but we have to take a break. But yeah, he, he broke into a real deal laugh when I said he was going to run with Travis Kelsey and make a few plays. 258 is the time. Come back. Uh, we'll take your calls and we'll get into cover three. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.